This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Good evening, this is Talking Devils, the leading independent Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined by two former Manchester United players on this Friday evening to welcome in the new year, um, Lee Lawrence and Phil Marsh, former Manchester United youth players. Um, Lee, happy new year, how are you doing, mate? Happy new year, mate, and happy new year to everyone. Yeah, I'm fine, mate, thank you. Uh, back to reality now, I had a couple of weeks off with uh, with Christmas. Um Watched a bit of football over that time. Can't say we was overly impressed with our team, but I'm sure we'll we'll get on to that. Um, back to reality this week with work. Um, and nice to get on the podcast. It feels like an age since um, I think it was the last preview was just before the Bournemouth game. So we've got quite a lot to chew through, I'd imagine, tonight. Yeah, um, well, heady days. Um, Phil, um, how are you doing, mate? Happy New Year. Yeah, all good, mate. Thanks, Wayne. All the best to everyone again. Um good Christmas. Uh, obviously, two young girls, me, so it's been really manic and, and you, you can imagine what it's like with two young girls. But yeah, just having a nice bit of downtime. I'm back in work as normal next week. Uh, the teachers' holidays, you, you sort of get that extra little week over Christmas, which is needed. Um, so yeah, just looking forward to getting back to normality, really, and uh, back into the swing of things, mate. Yeah. Nice one. Uh, so we're streaming live tonight on YouTube, also through Twitter and Facebook, um, Twitter for the first time as enabled comments live. There's currently 50 of you watching, uh, which is a, quite a high number for us with a controversial podcast. Um, but if you're watching on Twitter, you can apparently get your comments in. Um, so if you um, try it, if you want to comment and join in the show, I can see if you can put it up on screen because you know, I've never done that before. We're normally just used to the people who are on YouTube and Facebook and that's normally straightforward. But if you are watching on Twitter, if you can put a comment down below and um, join in the conversation, Lee and Phil and I will be happy to talk about any points of view that you might have. We will be talking about the indifferent form, Jim Ratcliffe, um, joining the club as a minority share, um, shareholder and obviously the Wigan game this weekend. Trey commenting from Twitter, evening mate, how are you doing? Now we know it works. Now guys, if you're watching, just uh, get your comments in. Feel free to join in. We will, um, we're will. we quite open-minded on this podcast. We'll let you talk about anything within reason. We even talk about Lee's Alice band if you want. We could talk about mine, but I'm not wearing one. Um, all right, I was so- just going to say, you're, you're only jealous because I can wear one. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's true, it's true. Um, so, Chris, as like Lee said, before Christmas, we were, the last podcast we did, we were previewing uh, Bournemouth, and the idea was, well, we had Bournemouth, Bayern, and Liverpool, and the idea was we were all writing off Bournemouth in the kind of way. It was like it's a difficult week for United, and we're kind of saying, well, get Bournemouth out of the way, but if we, if we get bad defeats against Bayern and Liverpool, then... Um, then it could be curtains for Tenor, because it turned out the worst result was against Bournemouth, and um, it went 4-0 at one point, and the linesman, um, the linesman flagged and, and disallowed the goal, and I remember walking out of the game, and we were talking about it, saying, like, it's strange that a flag, because like, you would have thought 4-0 at home to Bournemouth is, like, no United manager can survive that kind of result, regardless of any other thing. So why is a flag so different? You know what I mean? Four and three is not really that big a difference, but it is in the way that it looks. And then we lose to Bayern in really, considering the team that we had out and Harry Maguire went off before half-time injured and we were 
putting a good fight up in the first half and then second, um, it just sort of stood to it. And then Liverpool, we put in a very decent, disciplined performance. Um, and having done that, put a nice pragmatic shift in there. The team gets changed around again for when we go to West Ham. We get um, a defeat down there, two goals in a, in quick succession after. They they look really flat, really poor. Um, we we played Villa on Boxing Day, 2-0 down. Um, things are, again, not looking great for Tenog. You think, it, that, again, that was a game where their goals seemed to come out of nowhere, really. Both set plays, but you're thinking, here we go again. This could get seriously embarrassing. Then we pull out a second-half performance for the ages, really, where, you, again, you get sort of pulled into thinking, oh, we this could be the, the start of something. Oiland scores his first goal late on, and you're thinking, all right, here we go. Something to sort of like nail our hopes onto. And then we go to Nottingham Forest, Oiland's injured. And I don't don't think you can blame the, the performance on what happened uh, with Hoyland's injury. It was just so, so insipid and really as low as you can get after um, feeling fairly optimistic considering um, the bounce of results that we've had. It's really oddly to know where to. It's, it's hard to know how to pull positivity out of that kind of run because you look at the draw at Liverpool and you say, "All right, so that was a decent result." And you know, on another day, we could have actually snatched a win in that if we'd have been a bit more clinical. But you don't, you know, you don't expect a clinical um, response always with a young team and a makeshift team like that. So that was a good result. Um, then the Villa result, obviously, considering how well Villa are doing, it's so great. But then the, the manner of the defeats, I mean, Bournemouth's so far back that we can't even talk about it. And then, you know, you've got the, uh, I don't know, like, you know, obviously the West Ham is recent enough to talk about, but I, th- I guess we'll mostly talk about Forest and the general feeling, Lee. Um, so, talk me through how, how you're feeling at the moment with how, how Christmas went and what your feelings are with Ten Hag at the moment. You, you, you've, you've kind of covered everything what really I had in my head to say, Wayne, if I'm, if I'm, being, if I'm being massively honest with you, mate. Um, it's, it's been so... It's, let's, let's start it from the beginning of the season. It's been an awful season. Let's, let's not sugarcoat it. It's not been a good season whatsoever. Right, back to the start. Yeah, there we go. It, it's it's been a mad season too. Like I say, we've just been talking a little bit off air about what what we thought of Ten Hag and what we were saying just before the Bournemouth podcast. Um, and like I say, one minute you think he's doomed, he's going to go if we're a serious club, and I, I don't particularly agree with this. But I've seen a lot of a lot of people say, you know, if, if it's Man United and what we use, you know, the club what we want to be, then we can't have the manager keep getting these results. And I, I agree with it, but on the same. On a different level, I I don't think we should sack Tanig really at, at this moment in time. Um, it's it's an hard one to get your to get your head around what what you think is the best thing to do for the overall for the club. But like I say, it's it's been a circus. You one one game you'll watch and you'll think that's it, it's done. Um, is is no chance. And then we pull a result against Liverpool, where bear in mind we weren't the better team or anything like that. But we all think we was all you know thinking the worst. We all thought we was going to get hammered six nil again, seven nil, and it performed the, uh, you know, it, the, what the way it lined up and the way it set us up to to play that game. He managed that game really well. Um, so then you think, well, he's you know, it's 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 done well there. We're going to move on to Bournemouth and, like, I say we give that as a given that we're going to win that, and then we get hammered. So he's next on the line again. And it's it's just it's just been a crazy crazy season. Um, on a personal level, I'm I'm behind Tenag. Um, what he did last season shows that he's not a bad manager. You don't turn from getting us winning the Carabao Cup and getting us to the FA FA Cup final and finishing third and how he was playing and the style we was developing to the season we've had now. And a lot of people say it's um, it's an excuse and maybe it is an excuse for us, but I think it's uh, it's a decent excuse to have. Look at the players we've had out. I mean, the players we brought in and the players what were playing well last season. The vast majority of the season have been out. Casemiro, um, Baran's in and out. You know, Martinez has been a massive miss for us. Um, Maguire, just as he started it, and Forms had a bit of a lengthy period back out. Um, so you know, there, there is a case to say that we've been, you know, we've been very unlucky with with the uh, with the injuries with the had. Um, and then going back to what you just said about the positives, I've actually wrote a list of positives over the Christmas period that I could think of at the top of my head, so I'm glad you asked. 
I've got about five or six points. And the positive I had, the Here first one was the, it was the Liverpool game. How uh, Ten Hag coached his team through that, which you just mentioned. I think that was a positive. Um, Ahmad come back on his little cameo appearance. I thought he looked uh, very sharp, um, and I think it, that was a slight positive to take from watching what he did, um, especially with the way Anthony's been performing. Um, mm-hmm. I think you know he, he's got to he's got to get a chance, and I think we'll probably talk about it in a bit more length. But I think Wigan he slots in there nicely. Um, let's have a look at him. Hoyland's first goal, massive positive. We all know what the potential he's got to to be, and if he gets the service, which we know hopefully he can get, we know what he can do. Uh, another positive was what basically I've just touched on, getting Casemiro, Varane, Martinez, Maguire, Ahmad, Shaw, getting half a team back who are more or less starters in the next week or two. That's going to be a positive. The Ineos takeover with the Ratcliffe takeover, hopefully we've got some uh, something in place there now. What We don't just look at the owners to looking at the club as a business. They also actually you know, support the club and want the club to do well and get us back to where we are. Um, and the last, the, the last positive I took was basically what we've been crying out for all the time. Rashford on the right, Gernacho on the left, and Ireland in the middle against Villa in the second half, and it worked wonders. Um, so that's my list of positives, what I took from over the Christmas period, mate. Yeah, some good comments uh, coming through here. Um, Whitaber says, good evening, good evening. Uh, Vicky, hope you're doing well. Trey says, I strongly stand behind Eric Tenog. We mostly will. I don't know Phil's points, but we'll get on to him in a moment. Uh, Tito says, good evening. You didn't join us late. Three minutes isn't late. Uh, fashionably late. We'll allow that one. Um, Long time watcher, Tito. Hope you're doing well, mate. Happy New Year. Trey said, well said, Lee. Um, and I'm going to guess he means everything that you just said, because I agree. Um, everything you just said was spawn. Vicky says... Um, Eric Tenog has used youth in Ajax. He seems to be gentle with United's youth squad. Yeah, but a few of them are all coming in. I guess that's one of the pluses for um, over Christmas, Phil, is that, uh, and you're no stranger to this, um, having been um, a debutant in one of the highest number of United youth players ever playing in a single game um, mm-hmm. against Crew in 2006. That's a nice little um, trivia for you if you want to go and find that one out. I don't think it is the record for highest... Uh, debutants, but it's, it's close if it's not the record. Um, we're not close to that this season, but um, Tenog is drip-feeding in these kids. Um, Menu, Garnacho, obviously, and, and even Dango came on um, at the end of the Villa game, and Hannibal came on at the end of the Villa game. And I mean, there are sometimes things where you think, oh, we're, we're taking a step forward, and then we seem to be going backwards, like, um, you know, obviously Hoyland's um, injury, impacted the way that we're going to line up against Forrest. So Garnacho moves again and, and Rashford moves. You just think, oh, we could have just kept some to the positions that we're at and maybe change the, the formation around or even play someone else from the left, you know what I mean, do something. Because that obviously the electricity that we saw against Aston Villa was mostly thanks to... The, and, and the better performance we saw from Rashford was down to the fact that we saw them switch sides. And I feel sometimes when, like against uh, Liverpool, where we play two defensive midfielders and then we switch to one for West Ham, you just think, well, these are the things that aren't broke. You know, the, the few things that aren't broken, then we've, we're fixing the things that aren't broken. We're going back, like, you know, taking one step forward and two steps back. Um, am I being a bit too harsh there, Phil? You know, like we've seen a few things that are, are working, but then it seems like may, maybe circumstance, maybe the manager saying, oh, I don't want to risk Manu for a full game or... We've got the injury for Ireland, so we'll just go back to what we're, we're used to. We've seen enough to know that enough of these things don't work, right? So we should at least now be looking at them and saying, build upon the things that do work. Because I know that I agree with Lee, as far as I'm concerned, 10 I've got credit in the bank. But really, in terms of the results and performances, I think he's out now. You know, we're, we're kind of level in terms of credit in the bank. So two or three more bad results and he's seriously in trouble so you've got to build on the things that work right and we don't seem to be doing that and I know some of that's not his fault but I mean where do you stand with with, with all of that little ramble I've just gone on no I, I agree with uh, a lot of what what both of you have just said in terms of you know with, with the manager and um you know, obviously last season he did really well, um, playing some really good football, got us to two finals, a trophy, uh, which was a massive, a massive positive and a massive step forward. I think, you know, this year 
there's a lot of contributing factors to, to why the performances have been so up and down. Um, you know, chopping and changing a lot of the back four, you know, is, is a massive um, reason for me why why the, the results are so up and down. I think, you know, we see in last season with that back four that was settled, the performance levels and the more consistency that we had in the performances. Um, this year, a lot of injuries, you know, a lot of people having to play makeshift roles, you know, playing positions they're not maybe uh, the strongest in. Um, I think for me, I think, you know, with the manager in terms of where we're at now, for me, if, if it was me who was sort of looking at it in terms of making a decision on whether he stays or whether he goes, I think because the performances have been so up and down, I think you can sort of give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt with the the, the injuries that we've had, the, the the illnesses, especially over Christmas period with people crying off with, with illnesses and stuff like that. But I think now Lee's just said, obviously, about a lot of the, the, the sort of more first-team uh, starting players are coming back to fitness and, and going to be more available in the upcoming weeks. I think what what should happen and what probably will happen um, is the manager will be given probably, you know, a dozen games now with, with his full strength uh, team. And if we don't see a probably significant improvement in terms of results consistently and better performances, then I do think he, he will be under a lot of pressure. Um, and then th there isn't really any excuses, if you like, to sort of, you know, say, well, we haven't got our full strength team. Obviously, there is some players that aren't going to be up to match speed and not going to be, you know, sharp and, and fit. And I do get that. But I think because of the way the season's gone this year and how, you know, well we've done, and but when it's gone bad, it's been it's been really, really bad. Uh, and for the the sort of you know club that we are, and the history, and the sort of demand that's on that, um, I do think he he sort of will will feel uh, a lot of heat and and be under a massive pressure if if the results do not turn around once these players come back into the to selection. Yeah. Um, so this week, Sir Jim Ratcliffe has been. Um, making his way around the club, meeting a lot of employees. There's been a couple of meetings we've seen, uh, being down at Carrington. Um, and obviously it was announced on Christmas Eve that, you know, it's, uh, the deal to um, secure that 25% stake was um, accepted by the club, basically, and that they were moving forward with that. And it's obviously now subject to approval by the Premier League. There's a lot of different information that you can get out there. On the athletic um, through the no question about that podcast which i'm on occasionally ed does a great job of breaking that down the facts are out there we're not really going to talk about the facts and figures from a financial point of view we're going to talk about it from a supporters and former player point of view um obviously there are a lot of things that we don't talk about on this podcast i'm very cautious about um putting phil and lee and paul on mondays and all the other former players that we have um, and I don't like putting you guys under the spotlight um, when there's controversial things that are ongoing that we don't have um, resolutions for. Well, you know, we didn't talk about Mason Greenwood, we didn't talk about Anthony and those kind of things. So a lot of things we don't like to talk about um, while they're ongoing, which I don't think it helps um, anything in Manchester United to add to... Um, speculation when all the facts aren't known we know we do know the facts now um in terms of jim ratcliffe he's got that 25 percent stake there's talk about him getting another a few percent by the end of the year um there's a 200 million dollar investment that's going to rise to 300 million dollar that's going to go across the club uh, still waiting for exact details i guess some of the club staff members have been finding that out over the, the week or so um there'll be some clearer direction over where that investment's going should alleviate some of the concerns in terms of how the club can operate with FFP. Um, maybe not in time for January, considering it's still going to be ratified by the Premier League, but it should alleviate some of the concerns for the summer transfer window. Um, details, I guess, will become clearer again. But check your reputable sources, and I'm not talking about Sky Sports, Cave, I'm talking about the Athletic reporting, um, Andy Mitten, all the people who are properly clued up and they know what they're talking about. Yeah, this is... We're talking about proper news here, like Manchester United. We're not talking about like the gossip mongers. Um, people who can have the you know the five minutes of fame by um, lying about the club. Um, there's nothing to be gained at this moment in time by following lies about the club anyway, because you're just fooling yourself and getting misinformation for no reason. Um, 
Dan says, evening chaps, Vicky talks about injuries. We'll talk about that in a moment, Vicky. We're going to talk about Ratcliffe at the moment. I'm going to pull back to Lee and Phil to talk about um, this. Because obviously, like we've been talking for a long time about the ownership structure, not in, in any great detail, but in terms of how that direction is going to affect the club. And now we've got some direction. We've got a clear um, path of travel. We know in there, we know that he's uh, been asked by the Glazer family to um, oversee the football directions of the, the club. And um, whilst we don't know what that means for any extra investment, we do know that um, that he means business. All the work that he's talking about, all the things that he's saying, he, he's very definitely um, focused on restoring United as a serious football and entertain. He's got to know the um, investment that um, is required to do that. Um, so... Lee, um, it has been a long time of ambiguity of people not really knowing a lot of misinformation, a lot of waiting for proper information. And we're finally there. We're getting some information. We've got some direction. We've got some clarity. How are you feeling about the the recent events? Uh, quietly optimistic, uh, if I'm being honest. If, if, if I'm being totally honest, I would have liked to full take over, which I think all of us would have, if I'm being totally honest with you. Um, but what he's got, and like I say, the the direction he's talking about taking the football club, um, it sounds it's it's something what we've all been crying out for for a long time. You know, the owners aren't just well, the Glazers are just in it for the money, which we've known for a long, long time. But we've got someone there now, put in place who, who cares about the club, cares about the badge, cares about everything what goes with the club, the history. Um, also, he's going to want to make money. Of course, he's going to want to make money. He's a businessman at the end of the day, but. At least it's we've got something there now where we can draw a bit of optimism off. Um, with with every piece of that, every every bone in my body, I, I want to say that it, it's gonna it's gonna bring us back to where we belong and where Man United should be. Um, but that's just the optimistic side of me. Um, but overall, I see it as a positive. Uh, I don't want to talk too much about it because he's, he's he's only just got his foot through the door. It was nice seeing on Twitter today that you know he's gone around coming and he's met Cap on reception, which is a great thing. You know what I mean? It looks like he's he's he's, he's interacting with with the core people within the club, the people what been there for a long time before me and Phil was there. You know what I mean? And it's nice to see these things. Um, so yeah, quietly optimistic. Um, we'll just see how it goes. Yeah, um, Phil. Yeah, he's met Kath on reception. I bet he didn't pick up Roy Keane's um, wage slip. Um, no, probably not. <laughs> um, yeah, that's something just for you. Um, how are you feeling about this? I mean, obviously, a lot of clarity over the last few days, um, and it's going to be a positive thing, right? I mean, I don't, I'm not putting words in your mouth. What do you think? No, I, I mean, I agree with Lee. I think, no, obviously, it's a, it's a positive for the club. I think, as you say, he's coming in with. Uh, United's best interests. I think he's looking at investing money in the right area, you know, the club where it needs to improve, um, you know, the stadium, the training ground. Um, hopefully, you know, there'll be some money available for, for transfers as well further down the line. But, yeah, I think obviously, you know, with with, with that, there's a lot of stuff that sort of still needs to be, you know, fined, uh, fine-tuned and, and sort of, you know, all that kind of things. And, you know, anything like this, it's always going to be a bit of a drawn-out process. But, you know, it is a positive. We know that Sir Jim's a, a massive Man United fan and, and hopefully he's coming in with, you know, the ambition and the right attitude and, and sort of, you know, to try and take the club forward and, and, and start making, you know, foundations and, and sort of footsteps to, to sort of put us in the right um, in the right place to sort of succeed again because obviously the, the fans have been really sort of, you know, unhappy with, with the Glazers for so long, I think. You know that this is maybe like a little bit of a uh, light at the end of the tunnel. Although I do think it will be, um, you know, still still quite a way off before we are, um, you know, all confident and um, you know happy with with everything that's going on uh, behind the scenes. But yeah, it is it is a it is a good uh, a good start, and, and I'm happy that he has come in and you know he's part of the the sort of uh, background now. Does it uh, make an impact? Uh, Lee was talking there about him being a lifelong fan of the club, and you know the, the other thing that's mentioned is his age. He's seventy-one, coming to seventy-two. Um, I, I generally think those are good things because I think you're talking about someone who is uh, a multi-multi-billionaire. He's you know being a fan of the club and wanting the 
um, from from a personal perspective, the vanity of wanting to restore you United back to their former glories and being the person who who's done that, he wants to be seen as the person who's done that. So that's a vanity thing that he wants to see happen in his lifetime over like that next three or four years. Um, do you think that that's going to play a part in it, or do you, do you think that we you know that obviously as fans and like we it's been such a negative period for a long time? Do you think that that's just people? Like, like myself being a little bit too optimistic or do you think you can look at that and say no actually there's a structure there um that's that's based in the logic of the fact that no uh, i yeah i agree with that 100 when i think you know as a businessman um and somebody who's obviously been very very successful who's followed the club for such a long time as you say he is getting on a bit now and i think you know for him now he's probably in a position and he's looking at that now thinking obviously he's sing united through you know the glory days and he's obviously you know, seeing as where we currently are now, and and for me, if if I was him, and and you know, what a challenge that is, what a, what a sort of place he, he is now in in a position to sort of you know be the man, be the be the person who who brings Man United back to the, the the top and the pinnacle of you know English football and world football again. You know, if 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 it was me and I I had his money and you know I was in his position then. You know, I'd be licking my lips at the prospect of being the person that was able to do that, especially being a supporter of the club and and you know following the club from obviously a young age and you know being being sort of part of the the, the, the sort of team now and you know for me. Hold up! What was that? Boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. He, he definitely strikes me as a person who, um, you know, wants to succeed and wants to, you know, do well. So, you know, hopefully that is his aim and that is his goal. And I think, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, in five, ten years, you know, Sir Jim was, you know, a massive uh, cog in, in the machine that sort of got us back to, you know, where, where we want to be. So it's, it's a bit personal pride, isn't it? What I was just thinking there, Phil. It's like it's, if you take it away from the ownership and you, you talk like a player um, and you make all these millions and millions playing, Sometimes you forget about the money and imagine, like say, being a supporter of any club, you know, your hometown club or a club that's fell on bad times and they sign you and you turn that club round and you're mentioned for years to come, forget about the money and forget about everything else. You've, you, you've gone down in Fort Law with the club you've supported as a kid and what you love the most as a legend. And I suppose, like I said, the, the pride running through him if you could do that and the personal challenge for him now, that, that, that it, it rings true with what you're saying, that, you know, that it could be a good thing that he's, he's been such a, a supporter over the years and he doesn't just see it as money now, he sees it as leaving a legacy. Yeah, 100%, mate, 100%. Because I think for someone like him, obviously money is irrelevant really now. Yeah. Probably at a stage in his life where, you know, money doesn't really affect him. He's probably thinking now at that age and, and sort of where he, where he is and because he's put that 25% stake in, he's, he's obviously, you know, committed to the club and he, he's probably... Thinking in his head, I want to get, I want to be the person that gets United back to, you know, where they should be. I want to have, you know, the best training ground in, in England. I want to, you know, make Old Trafford, you know, a, a bigger and better stadium. I want to have the fans come in. I want to be transparent and speak to the fans and let them know, you know, what I'm doing, what my plans are, what the ambitions are. If there's any issues, speak to me and I'll try and, you know, do my best to, to make it better and stuff. And, you know, that's for me, you know, hopefully what he's going to bring to the table. Yeah, um, some comments coming in here. Um, Witterbird, uh, Vicky, call you Vicky, not Witterbird. Everyone's usernames. Um, Ineos seems to understand that um, trophies make money. Um, Dan says, I'm fairly convinced I'll be a full takeover in and around 
18 months. The SEC paperwork alludes to a window within this period on the first right of refusal, so a good chance that will happen. I've always said what matters most when leading a company's regular communications. It's not hard, and it's frankly obvious you can avoid rumour through constant and honest communication. Yeah, I mean, the United's big thing at the moment is going to be leadership through that period. Um, and like you guys have said, you know, there's a period of time there that, you know, it, um, you, we understand that it, it will be vanity. But you look back in, in United history and the, the controversial ownership really for, you know, obviously the Glazer ownership has been controversial. The Edwards ownership when that happened was controversial, even though now um, to most who look at that period, it's the Edwards, you, you'd kill for a, a, an ownership structure like that because of how dedicated they were to, uh, Martin Edwards was to redevelopment of everything and how fair he was with, uh, yeah, all right, some of us grumbled when we didn't sign Batistuta and Ronaldo because of the wage structure, but that wage structure was there for a reason and, you know, United were the best run club in the world for a long period of time thanks to that kind of approach and you do have to go back nearly a century by the way nearly a century for um james gibson who came in 1933 when the club was on the verge of bankruptcy and he saved the club and he you know he, he redeveloped transport link old trafford he bought the cliff training ground he gave the club transfer money. He gave the club transfer money to sign loads of players. He invested in the youth system, provided all that patience, rebuilt Old Trafford after the bombing. Um, and obviously there was Davis before um, Gibson, who basically paid for Old Trafford to be built and gave it to the club. Do you know what I mean? these things that so to have um, an owner that's benevolent and all right, we've we've all laughed at City over the, the um, period of time, saying that they bought the the trophies and everything like that and that's you know that's a different kettle of fish that we're talking about we are talking about united who you know they've got the money to spend it's not about not having the money to spend it's about being able to invest that money in in the right way and it looks like we're going to be able to do that um and we we are this is we're, we're just reacting to the initial news more news will be coming out more comments will be coming out we'll be talking more about it in the coming weeks and months as we're more informed we're just reacting to the opening news um Oh, here we got some comments about Mars, which I wasn't expecting to see. Um, nobody remembers the club with ice turnovers. Trophies are what matters. The guy has enough money to build a rocket and be the first man on Mars. And Dan, I'd rather take a trip to Mars right now. But Dan just went on a bloody cruise around. I don't know. I just saw him on a cruise everywhere over bloody Christmas and New Year. The cheeky get. Um, no, you can do what you want to do, Dan, as long as you're having a good time, mate. Um, um, it says Rovers were T2 these are, I, I suppose Rovers were technically the first team on Mars. Very, very good. Very good. If, if you like your Rovers and Mars jokes, I'm, I'm, I'm very impressed with that. Come there for the humour. Um, listen to us for the boring uh, football analysis. Um, he talked about hometown teams, Lee. Wigan, Manchester United in the FA Cup this weekend. Where, where are your loyalties? I'm going, mate. I'm going watching it. And by the way, my, my wife very kindly got me hospitality to go and watch it too. So um, oh. I'm, in, I'm in the posh seats on Monday, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah. No, my loyalties are with Man United, mate. Um, let's say it's Wigan's my hometown club. It's the first, you know, the first team I ever signed for when I was six, I believe. Um, I was at six to nine. I was at Wigan Athletic. And then from nine to 21, nearly 22 at Man United. Um, but if I've got to be honest, my loyalty lies with United. It's the it's the club I, I grew up with. It's the club what basically brought me up. You know what I mean. So uh, my loyalties will always always lie with Man United. Um, but I'm really looking forward to it. Um, we're gonna know mugs. Don't, don't, you know, I know we're League One, and I, I still say we, although it's like my second team. Um, we had the point deduction which we've overcome. Um, we had quite a bit of point deduction at the beginning of, of the year. Um, we're at the relegation battle, I think now. Um, and we're gonna have to we're gonna have to do do something to to beat Wigan. I'll tell you that we 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 can't be turning up thinking it's a given like we potentially did against Bournemouth because it, they will give anyone on the on the on the day a game. Um, yeah. But saying that the team, I mean we have got a few a few lads coming back from injury. I don't think they'll risk them in the game uh, against Wigan. I think we should have plenty enough in the squad what we've got available. Um, you know to to do a job on on Wigan themselves. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see whether it gives the likes of Dan Gore, Hannibal, um, Ahmad, it gives them a run out, um, or does he, does, you know, does he not want to 
risk that and does he want to go with you know your Ericsons and your people like that personally I'd, I'd probably go along the lines of giving the younger lads a bit of a run in the first half and seeing how it goes um, but it's going to be entertaining I think it's going to be a good game um, historically Man United do very well against Wigan um, it's normally a four or five goals um, every time they play um, so I'd imagine there's going to be goals um, but yeah looking forward to it mate um, let's see yeah. how it goes I've got loads of these um, mini discs. Uh, anyone who follows me on socials will know I've been looking at these mini discs for the last 10 months. And the last week to 10 days, I've been converting and, and listening a lot to 2005-2006 season, which, um, as you know, Lee just said there, we played Wigan um, a few times that season. That was the first season in the Premier League. We beat them 4-0 at Old Trafford. We beat them 4-0 in the League Cup final. Um, and then I think a week after the League Cup final, we won 2 1 at the JJB. I think it was the last minute, Chimbonda with the own goal. And um, as I was listening, obviously, all the Wigan players are on this tip like Dizou and Jason Roberts and uh, Kavanagh, and, and, and most notably Paul Jewell. Loads of interviews with Paul Jewell, and he's talking about United. And in the build up to the final, he said something like, because he'd been Bradford manager, and I don't know if anyone remembers when Bradford played United. We beat them 4-0 in the first Premier League season both times at Old Trafford and at Valley Parade, the one where Skull scores with the, the towel kit. He scores on the volley, the famous goal in that in that game. Um, and Paul Jewell said in the build-up to the, the League Cup final, I'm just sick of losing 4-0 against them. And then we went and won 4-0. Um, uh, well, I... I don't. I'm not suggesting that that's the result that we're going to get on on Monday night. Um, I'll just come to a, a couple of um, comments here. Well, the one that Vic said about the the problem with injuries and massive amount of games last season, odd uh, every preseason or tough training. I just come to that in terms of um, how that affects the squad for for um, for Monday night, Phil. How, how do you think that? Ten Hag's going to manage this now. We have got players coming back, obviously, and you know it has been like a sort of stop-start season with all of these injuries. I know we mentioned it earlier. You mentioned it. We talked about um, the general season overall, but now coming into an FA Cup game like this is the last trophy that United are really in to win. Um, you can't afford to take it lightly. Uh, that said, you know, and also you've got a game a week now. We, the United aren't in a position where they'll be playing Monday, Wednesday, really. They, there'll be a couple of Wednesday games in there, but mostly it's going to be Monday, Monday, Mon oh, oh, Monday this time, Saturday, Saturday, most of the time. I looked at the calendar and they are mostly Saturdays. Um, we might even get a few Saturday three o'clocks. Um, another comment in here, well, before I just come to you with, with it, Phil, um, con considering we're talking about squad management, um, he says, T2 says, would love your views, but for me, if Sancho plays again, it sends out the wrong message to the whole squad. And I think that's where I'll come in with you on this one. Because obviously, Sancho, for example, is in talks to go to Dortmund, it seems. Martial's the one who's allegedly ill again. Um, it's a difficult one for, for Tenor to know what to do with the squad because that, you know I, there are certain players I think I don't want to see play for the club again. Um and obviously he's got to utilise his squad at the same time. So what do you want to see against Wigan? Um, and how optimistic are you? I mean, I don't suppose you've got any split loyalties. You you want United to win, right? Yeah, I want United to win. Although I, I, I have similarly with Lee, I obviously was at Wigan Athletic before I signed for United as well. Um, so I was at Wigan Athletic for um, just over two years. I think I joined when I was about nine. Um or maybe just before nine, and then obviously United signed me when I was eleven. So, um, do still look at Wigan's results because obviously it was a, a good couple of years that I had at Wigan. But yeah, United's obviously been, you know, my club for for the last twenty odd years. So I'm I'm fully behind the club with that. Um, in terms of selection and and what team I think he'll go with, for me, I I actually think it's as you just said, it's the last trophy that we're in that we can potentially win um, we've got players coming back from from lengthy time off and and who are going to want to you know get some match fitness in before you know the bigger games maybe come um, is this a good opportunity now to, to sort of give them an hour and and see how we see how we get on and then you know be able to bring them off hopefully if the game's wrapped up and um, that's 
potentially what I think he'll do. I think I think he will start with his strongest team with with maybe the odd one, maybe one or two younger players, and um, try and get the match sewn up and and sort of bring bring them players off that you know maybe haven't been um, fully fit and maybe just coming back from injuries or fitness. So. Uh, that's what I think he will do. Um, but again, Lee said, you know, it's going to be a tricky game. I think Wigan, for them, it's going to be their biggest game of the season. You know, any time United come to town for anyone, you know, everyone gives that extra, you know, 10, 15% because they want to turn you over. They want to beat Man United. Um, so they're going to have to make sure they, they go and perform and, and, you know, make sure they put a shift in and do everything right. Uh, otherwise, you know, if... <laughs> If we do lose that game, I think you know the manager is massively, massively then under a lot of pressure um, because we're out of all competitions, and I think top four is going to be too big of an ask from from where we are at this moment in time. Um, I just can't see us putting a consistent run together to sort of pull us back into to the race for top four. I think we're just you know we're too inconsistent, and with with the players that we've um, you know. Have proven that they're not good enough. Um, you know, will will the players that have you know been injured and come back come back and hit the ground running straight away? I don't know. We're hoping that that does happen, but it's a lot to ask. Um, and yeah, it's going to be uh, interesting to see how it pans out. Yeah, quick one. Um, considering that it's a couple of comments have been in there. Quick one before we go because we wrapped up a bit earlier than I was expecting with with the Wigan game. So. T2 says um, Eric Tenag will play his best 11 in every single game until the end of the season. He's auditioning for his own job. And Trey says, I'm so confident against Wigan, especially the key players coming back from injuries. Can you believe that we were made to play away from home in a domestic cup tie as well? I don't know what trickery that was. You know, drawing us away from home, away from Old Trafford after 15 years consecutive <laughs> home games. Disgraceful behaviour. Um, but, but, you know, we are going Obviously, it's biased against us. What, what do you make of this one, Phil? Um, just quickly before before we do go um, on on that with Tenog. Obviously, we lost. I think it's fourteen games before Christmas. That's a, a massive amount of games, and you can't really make a case for saying we lose another fourteen games and he's in a job by the end of next season because that's we it's it's lower. It, it's lower reaches. Um, they'll be the worst performing season in Manchester United history. I don't even think the relegated team lost as many as that. I'd have to double check that. I should know that off the top of my head considering I wrote a book and film on it. Um, but um, I do not off the top of my head. I, I know we lost a lot of narrow games 1-0. We weren't losing to Bournemouth at home 3-0. Um, that's for sure. Um, I, it's a big ask to say, oh, he's definitely got to win a trophy to stay as manager. So I don't think most reasonable United fans will be thinking that. But what does what can Tenog do between now and the end of the season to sort of say, all right, this is the right direction we're moving in? Yeah, no, I don't think a trophy this year is going to be a, a massive, you know, indicator in whether he keeps his job. I think we're sort of past that point now. Um, for me, as I said before, I think you know we've sort of given the benefit of the doubt with. Um, a lot of the results, a lot of performances this year due to, to the squad depth and the injuries and the, you know, the illnesses and suspensions and all this kind of thing. Whereas, you know, now I think we've, we've got to the second half of the season. We're sort of, you know, up and down. We're, we're, we're sort of, we look good for one game and then it goes, you know, slaps us back in the face the next game. I think now the sort of excuses and, and sort of, you know, he's a little bit of uh, leeway that he had with, with you know, especially... You know, your key players, your Martinez's and, and Casemiro and people like that. Now that they're coming back into the squad and they're back available, I think for me now, you know, he's got to sort of show that, you know, that was part of the reason behind some of the performances and, and why he couldn't, you know, play in the philosophy or the style that he was, was sort of playing last season. And um, to a certain extent, I think, you know, with, with the amount of popping and changing that we have done, especially in the back four, I mentioned it before, I think the back four has been so, you know, hit and miss and, and chopping and changing that much that we've never really had any sort of foundation to build on. And I think the way that the manager wants to play in terms of with the keeper playing out from the back, I think having the personnel that we've had available doesn't really, you know, fulfil, you know, anyone with any real confidence and belief that that's how we can play. I think... Once Martinez comes back in and, you know, we get Luke Shaw back in at left back, 
Um, and if we can keep Varane fit, uh, I think that makes a massive difference in, in the way we, we're going to play. So for me, you know, this second half of the season is a massive, um, a massive opportunity for the manager now as well to sort of prove that, you know, the start of the season and some of the results this season have been below par because, you know, some of the players that, that have been playing haven't been up to the task. Um, so for me, he just needs to, you know, show a, an improvement in performances more than anything. I don't think, you know, fans are going to be naive enough to think that we're going to win every game from now to the end of the season. And, you know, it's, it is a results-based business, but I think the performance levels need to be a lot better and, and over a longer period of time as well. We've played well in spells this year, especially in the Champions League. We did, you know, half an hour here, you know, 45 minutes there. I think what we need to try and do now is start putting a 90-minute performance together Um and I'm I'm sure that you know positive results will will start to come if we can do that. But again, it's it's down to not just the manager, the players. The players need to take some accountability as well with their own personal pride and their own personal, um, you know, how they want want to sort of you know look at themselves and and are they doing enough? Are they putting a shift in enough? Are they you know hitting the heights that they should be? You know, representing Manchester United. I think there's there's not many this season that could look themselves in the mirror and say that they've they've done enough on a on a consistent basis to you know warrant you know a place in the team and and you know that's that's just where we are at the moment unfortunately. Yeah, Emily, yeah. do you agree with that one? I mean, it's going to be difficult. Even top four is going to be difficult now. So uh, you know, trophies sort of like really is wishful thinking. Every team's still in it. Every major team, obviously, is still in the FA Cup. Um, but yet to kick a ball. So, um, what are your, um, what, what's the conditions that you lay out to think you're convinced that we're moving in the right direction of the tenor by the end of the season? I, I, I literally, as you were speaking, wrote three things down, mate, and it's dead simple, dead plain. I'd just like to see us play better, play more consistent when we have a good game. Don't drop off two games after them. Look like you're going to try and put a bit of effort in. Then don't like there's no effort. Do. Just, just be consistent in your effort and your ability. And when we get the players back, which obviously we are going to do, that's when we need to start showing that. Um, and the last one, and it goes with the question that we had um, earlier off Vicky, is when we get the players back, keep them fit. Um, and just as I was, I was thinking on the podcast, we didn't really answer a question. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of an answer for it. I don't really have one. What do you think is, is the main reason we've had so many injuries this season? Because when I was playing, you know, you, you, you might have got two or three injuries, then you get a couple of lads back and you might have got one or two. But the majority of the time, you had more or less a, a full-strength squad. Um, particularly this season, like I said, we've had more or less every player who we, who we would have starters not not playing for a vast majority of time. And off the top of my head, I, I'm not sure what's causing that. I don't know if you don't feel whether they're overtraining, um, whether it goes... Oh. Importantly, which which is you know might might sound controversial, but for me, with certain players and certain instances and times in the season, I think some of the players in terms of injuries or illnesses are just a, a, a way of getting out of the limelight, getting out of the team, and and basically, you know, shirking responsibility to 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 be, be selected because I don't think they're up. To Ask. I don't. I don't think the. I don't think whether it's something the manager said or whether you know there's other things going on outside of football or whether it's you know something else. I think there's been times this season with certain players where something's happened. They've they've been under a bit of criticism and then they've they've dropped out of the yeah. team for yeah, no, I agree, Phil. I think it's an, I, I, the only thing I could really put it down to if it, if it wasn't something what we don't know about. You know, behind closed doors, where they're getting trained and all that lot. Is the only thing I can put it down to is is an attitude thing. Um, yeah. like you say, where they, 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 when when times get tough, they don't want to dig the wheels in and, and, yeah. and grind it out. Um, like you say, if that would have happened in our times, we would have been showed the door straight away, you know, they get away with it nowadays. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just thought just to answer, answer Vicky's question early doors, and I think she was right with the pre season schedule. I think she mentioned that, and I think that was quite a, a heavy schedule and a lot of traveling. And, and obviously, the players play a lot of football as it is with you know internationals and stuff like that as well. You know that pre-season schedule before we come back was was ridiculous. Obviously, I know there's a lot of you know commercialising it, yeah, and all that kind of stuff. I get that, and you know it's great. I used to love going on you know pre-season tours, and you get to go and visit and play in different countries and stuff. But I think 
nowadays with the amount of football that the players have and, and sort of internationally as well, the travelling, you know, sometimes that, that can take its toll on you and, and you know, it, it isn't a surprise that there is people getting niggles and pulls because, as you say, you can get burnt out, especially the players that are, you know, consistent in the performances and they play at a high level every single time. You know, to, to, to do that on a consistent basis and you're playing sort of, you know, 50 to, you know, 70 games a season, it, it is tough. So, you know, certain players, I think, you know, that there's no, um, there's no reason in, you know, in them sort of having the injuries, they're just unlucky or they've been burnt out or they've just, you know, Martinez, for example, he, you know, committed to a tackle and he's, he's, you know, unfortunately been, been put out for a long period of time. But I do think there is there's certain players that have, uh, have sort of uh, shirked the responsibilities at certain times this year. Yeah. Um, just uh, to come on these comments before um, we clock off, I was waiting for United Arts to finish his, like, his commenting on Twitter. X, sorry, Elon, don't get me um, banned from the platform. I'm still calling it Twitter and tweets. Um, so United Arts, he was posting in three comments, so I was letting him finish. So it'll be a tough season to turn around. Returning players should obviously have an impact, but considering Casemiro, Martinez and Malasia haven't played at all for pretty much the entire season, it will take them a while to get match fit and hit the levels of last season. Yes, but I think it's particularly in Casemiro and Martinez, um, Casemiro, different kettle of fish because uh, he was in ropey form before the injury. Um, but those two players together, and hopefully Manu at the side of Casemiro, um, will make a profound difference to the way that we're able to play in the middle of the park, considering that a lot of goals that we were conceding in that sort of um, that horrible, horrible autumn winter spell uh, were familiar to pre 10 hog days when teams would just romp through the middle of the park and score against us. Um, apart from obviously the Villa goals, which were both set pieces. Um, yeah, so there we go. Lee's in the posh seats on Monday night, um, cheering on whoever scores goals. <laughs> we'll be back next week um, to talk about um, that result and um, preview, I think, United Spurs the following week, isn't it? So um, a good game for us to get a teeth took into. Thanks for everyone uh, who watched and joined in the comments tonight uh, for the first show of the new year. Wishing everyone a happy new year and, and all the best. Um, thanks for Lee and Phil for the time for tonight. Um, if you've been watching live on YouTube and YouTube and Facebook, YouTube and Facebook, if you can leave us a like or subscribe on that platform. And if you're listening back on the audio platform as well, um, whatever audio platform you're listening on, and if you can subscribe and leave a review on the platform there, we'd really appreciate it. Um, we'll be back next week, guys. Stay safe, stay well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.